Well, welcome home. Welcome home to those of you that are on site and those of you that are online as well. And uh, can I just say happy Mother's Day? And before you all start panicking, there was a few heads that shot up there like, have I missed something? No, it's Mother's Day in the UK and I know that my uh, mum will either be watching today or a bit later on. So happy Mother's Day to all those of you that are in the UK and uh, especially to you, mum. So don't panic. Oh, she is watching. Yep, there you go. I want to get straight into the Word of God today. So why don't you stand with me as we pray together? I know you've just sat down, you've just got comfortable, but uh, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for this community, as John has already said. This church, this group of people that you call your own. I pray for those people that maybe have never made a decision to follow you and those that may be away from you. I pray, whether they're in the room or online, Father, I pray that you will draw them to yourself. I pray that whether it's the welcome, the word, or the worship as we sing together, God, that somehow that people will feel and know that you are close. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. <coughs> so, my passport runs out. It's a UK passport that I have, and it runs out sometime, I can't actually remember, I think it's in September that it runs out. And because of our whole process of going through uh, permanent residency, and we know we also have to renew our temporary working visas and all that sort of stuff, I thought, I'm going to plan ahead. I'm going to renew my passport early because who knows what bureaucracy does. Uh, if the Canadian, well, I know the Canadian bureaucracy is as bad as the UK bureaucracy. I thought I'll get it in early and uh, did all of that. It actually came back really, really quickly, which was a blessing. So I now have a new passport. They renewed my passport. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, renew. Quite a few years ago, probably about 12 years ago, Starbucks um, actually built a new shop. Now, I know there's nothing spectacular in that. They seem to be building new places all over the place all the time. But this one was quite innovative. They took some old shipping containers, what we call sea cans here from my understanding. They took some old ones and they built a shop out of them. And uh, they reclaimed them, they rebuilt them, they renewed them, and they revived them. And you can see a beautiful place there that they made out of those old sea cans. Now, sometimes our life can reach a point, and, and sometimes we can feel like the containers that we saw up there, new, everything's fresh, everything's lovely. Maybe you've started something and it's like a, a new year or a new job or a new relationship and everything's awesome. But it's not always like that. Sometimes, more often, we can feel like these ones that are coming up now. You've come to the end of your usefulness. You feel discarded, useless, or wrecked. And, and that's the way we feel. Whether that's true or not, 
It's not always about truth. Sometimes it's about how we feel, and therefore we act out of how we feel. Maybe you've gone through a traumatic experience like redundancy or divorce or a progressive illness that's left you feeling slightly on the scrap heap. Maybe you've had some mental health problems and, or maybe depression has been part of your life and you think, that's how I am and that's how I'm going to, always going to be. I am going to be like that and I've defined myself by how I am in this moment. Or maybe you've been abused. You've been used and now you feel worthless and broken. Some of the dreams that you've had, the aspirations in life that you may have had, have become wrecked, abandoned, and passed their sell-by date. And as we've gone through these past few weeks, we've been looking, actually, at what the Bible says about that. And it's not just, the Bible is not just this book of some good sayings. Some things that we should, if we live by them, our life will be okay. If we, if we take out and pick and choose those things that mean something to us at the time, we'll be okay. The Bible is actually about God's plan for us. And God's plan was not to leave you and definitely not to leave mankind on the scrap heap. You see, his plan was to reclaim us, to rebuild us to renew us, and to revive us. It was not Starbucks that originated those words. So I want to say, wherever you feel, you might feel brand new. You might feel, hey, this is awesome. Or at the other end of the spectrum, you might feel discarded, useless. Wherever you feel in that process, can I say to you, it's not over. Because even if you're at this end, God has still got something incredible for your life. And if you're at this end where it does feel like the disused sea can, God can take you, reclaim you, rebuild you, renew you, and revive you. Have you ever had your mind changed about something? I think the reality is if you're shaking your head, then you've got a serious problem. Most of us, you know, and I'm not talking about something little like the burgers look good on the menu. I'm going to have a burger. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have fish tonight instead. I mean something big. Something where you're, you've looked at something, you've had a, a set mind about something, and it's been changed. And I think all of us in some way have done that. Our perspectives have been changed. And if, if, even if you think recently, we had become comfortable in many ways. Disease, pandemics were things that affected other countries. And actually we've realized how quickly that can change. COVID swept across the earth. It affected every single country to a greater or lesser extent. And so our mindsets about disease were changed. This week we're looking 
at being renewed. And that word renewed is actually used quite a bit in different contexts throughout the Bible. Different writers use that word in, in different ways to mean different things. In the Psalms, which is a, a book, it's a, literally it's a songbook. A songbook and a book of poetry. It talks about our youth being renewed in Psalm 103. Isaiah chapter 40 talks about our strength being renewed. In the New Testament, one of the letters that Paul writes to one of the churches that he loves talks about our inner person being renewed. But there's another verse, and if you've been around church for any length of time, I'm pretty sure you'll have heard someone speak on Romans 12. And it talks about our mind being renewed. And I want you to, when you think about this verse, got to remember who Paul was speaking to. The guy that wrote the book, or the letter Romans, he wrote it to a church that was pretty much the epicenter of culture, the epicenter of of, um, physical strength in terms of armies, the epicenter of, of everything flowed from Rome. And so he's speaking to a a new church there, and he's actually saying, don't just fit into everything that's going on around you. Don't just fit so easily into the culture that's become probably your norm in life. Don't just do things without thinking. And he challenges the church by saying, renew your mind. Don't Go along with groupthink. Renewing our mind is not being about better educated. That's not renewing, that's expanding. And we need education. But the problem is, is we're more educated, we have more access to information, and we're supposedly more socially connected through the internet than at any stage in previous history. Yet when we look around, we see more isolation. We see more mental health problems. And we see less and less contentment. And so being more connected and having more information doesn't change us. Doesn't change us. But having our minds renewed changes us. Let me read Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. I love the fact that when Paul is talking about it, he sets it, he sets it, their mind towards God. He said, what I'm about to say, I want you to read it through the lens of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Bring about change by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment or with humility, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. 
So Paul is saying, don't just fit in. Don't just go along with what the prevailing society is saying. Now, sometimes it's right, but not always. The problem is, is when we, when we think about what Paul is saying there, he's saying that often we're programmed and conditioned by society around us. We just think, well, if that's what the majority thinks, then it must be right. But as we've seen through many times in history, we look at slavery, the majority of people agreed and bought in to slavery. White people, that is. And it was the prevailing thinking of the day that it was okay that some people were just subhuman. But just because that was think, the, the group think doesn't mean to say it was right. And we all know now it was obviously very, very wrong. And we're programmed and conditioned to think in a certain way by the world around us. And when we look at that word conform, it means to push into shape, to to be conformed, to be made in a certain way, made according to a pattern. If you think like we think, if you act like we act, if you believe what we believe, then we will accept you. But the problem with that is, and Paul is saying this to the Roman church, he's saying, don't just fit in with what is going on, because what is going on is actually just going to make you The same as everyone around you. There is a pattern of the world that would seek to to push you into. That would seek to make you think and act, believe and do what everyone else is doing. But just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean to say it's right. Did your parents ever say to you, well, if your friend told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? Yep, thanks, Dad. Be like us, the world around us says. Do what we do. For those of you that are Trekkies, resistance is futile. See, but the Bible says, Paul is saying here, be deprogrammed, be set free. Not just change your behavior. That's not what he's saying. He's saying be free in your thinking. Be renewed. Have a mindset change. I remember growing up and got to a realization. I couldn't obey the rules of the Bible. Anyone else thought that? There's always one. See, and as I thought that, I realized if Jesus was going to come back, by the law of averages, he was probably going to find me sinning. So what was the point of even trying in the first place? And then I discovered that the Bible says it's not just about that. It's about being in right relationship with God. 
Not behaving to be in relationship, but being in relationship and allowing that relationship to change my behavior. And I was changed by my thinking. In many ways, I came to my right mind. And to renew is to be taken back to what we were meant to be like. It's not, again, it's not just coming into, and, and unfortunately, we in the church have taken on the world system. If you dress like this, if you behave like this, if you say the right things, if you do the right things on a Sunday, then everything's going to be fine. That's a world system. It's not what Jesus said. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks about being in right relationship. That's our priority. And out of that, out of being changed from the inside, the outside begins to change. And we're actually being taken back to what we were meant to be for. To be in our right mind. To be who I was designed and created to be. And When we read... That passage, it talks about being a living sacrifice. And being a living sacrifice is being in our right mind. Who on earth wants to be a living sacrifice? That seems weird. That seems strange. A sacrifice is something that was taken and put on an altar and killed. That's not what we want. But Paul here is saying that we are living and as we sacrifice everything that is physical about ourselves, that's how we worship. That phrase, to be in our right mind. We use the opposite of it, don't we? No one in their right mind would. No one in their right mind would jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I've done that. It's awesome. No one in their right mind would stay in a relationship like that. No one in their right mind would go to the airport to get a flight at that time of the morning. No one in their right mind would move to a place that cold. <laughs> I was talking to a, a new friend this morning, Andrew, and he's from Jamaica. And we were obviously chatting about how similar Jamaican uh, climate is to Saskatoon climate. It's not. Maybe for a few days in the summer it is. No one in their right mind would do a job like that. No one in their right mind would think like that. No one in their right mind would do that. See, when people look at us as we're followers of Jesus, as we're part of a church community, it's probably one of the things that they say about us. No one in their right mind in Acts, someone, Paul, uh, again, Paul is, he's standing in front of some of the Roman leaders and he's speaking about Jesus. And he said, one of the guys says, You are out of your mind. What you're saying is unreasonable. Many of the things that we do as followers of Jesus seem unreasonable to the world around us, giving part of our money. As John was talking this morning about when we, when we invest, because it's an investment. It's not just giving. We don't take money in this church either, by the way. We receive what people give. But no one in their right mind would give that amount to that place. 
You see, the thing is, as we give, we begin to see lives transformed. We see, we see an environment, a remarkable environment that embraces young people and older people, black and white. No one in their right mind would give money. No one in their right mind would get up and be in church every week. Never mind serving and being on team and going to circle groups midweek. I've got so much more I could do with my time. No one in their right mind would do that. What you're saying is unreasonable. So don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world isn't just about social media. It's what people say to you. You do what? Why, why would you do that? Why would you give? Why would you serve? Why would you attend? Why? Many of the things we do seem strange. Praying. Singing. Putting our hands in the air. But actually, what we do is us being in our right mind. Because our mind has been renewed. I know I've said this many, many times near the end of the service, but one of the phrases I love from the, the parable, the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son, it says, when he came to his right mind. You see, everything he'd done before that seemed normal to the people around him. The partying, the drinking, all of the stuff that we see going on around. I, the last... Apart from 18 months, how long did we live in Newcastle? 16, 16 years we lived in Newcastle. Newcastle was known to be the biggest party town in the UK. And one of the biggest in Europe. And people would come in. I, sometimes I, if I was away and come back on the train, you'd see trainloads of people coming in to party in Newcastle. Sunday morning, I'd sometimes drive around the town really early on my way to church, and you'd say, do you know what a pavement pizza is? <laughs> now you know what a pavement pizza is, and now I've put that picture in your mind. You'd see those all over the place, and the street cleaners out. See, that's normal. That's reasonable. That is the way the world does things. But when the prodigal came to his right mind, everything changed. Because it says he realized that everyone was so much better off back in family. And when we think about this verse again, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I'm not talking about... The beginning of the process being reclaimed. I'm talking about this is something that we choose to enter into as followers of Jesus. We choose to be renewed. We allow our thinking to be changed by the word of God. I know I'm pointing at my iPad here, but I do have a Bible on my iPad. My mind isn't changed by my, my iPad. Well, actually, it often is if we spend too much time on other stuff. But Paul is saying a life of worship actually puts us in our right mind. And worship, yes, singing and putting our hands in the air, and however we express our 
worshipping the moments of church and whether we listen to it on the car or whatever. That's all part of worship, but it's a part of worship. It isn't worship. It's not the whole of worship. See, worship is putting something or someone above ourselves, and we all worship. Some people worship themselves, some people worship sports, some people worship their kids. Some people worship many other things, but we all worship. Why? Because we were created to worship. We were created to worship, and we will worship something, not always the right things. But worship is putting something or someone above ourselves. When we are in our right mind, when our mind is renewed, we will worship the right thing. Mark 5 verse 15 talks about a man that was full of demons met Jesus. And he wasn't just healed, he was in his right mind when he left Jesus. Romans 12, again verse 3, talks about being in our right mind. And we're told to think of ourselves in a right mind. Easter's coming up. And John used the phrase, I think you used the phrase, it it changed everything. Was that right? So he used the phrase, it changed everything. I don't think we always understand how much it changed. We think, yeah, well, we know about Easter. It's nice. Or Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday. It changed us. No, no. Easter changed everything. Everything across the the Western world, not Eastern world, Western world. Why? Because up until that point, power was the virtue. Up until that point, knowledge was a virtue. Up until that point, humility was a vice. Did you know that? We look now at humility as a virtue, don't we? When we, when, we, when we think about someone, and I say the word humility or humble, you might think of someone and you think, they're, they're really good because they're humble. Up until Easter, that was not true. If you look in history, if you look at the writings of people previous to Easter, power was the virtue. But suddenly, because Here is the man Jesus, the God Jesus, on a cross, humiliated in front of everyone. And people began to change their thinking about what humility was. It changed everything, and we are in our right mind. Don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. It was seen as a as a weakness, but as we've come to our right mind, we know it now as a strength. Talks about us being living sacrifices, handing everything of who we are over to God because we know that God is bigger than us. It's not a power thing. Submission is not what is taken from us. Submission is what we give. And we submit ourselves as our reasonable act of worship. And we connect all our life, everything that's physical about us, with an act of worship. And can I say, I've said this many times before, we don't worship because we feel like it. We don't worship because circumstances are good, because the environment is is conducive to what we're doing, or because we sense God's presence. Those are not the reasons we worship. 
We worship because of who God is. We worship because we declare who he is. And sometimes out of that, we get the sense of God's presence. We choose to put our own feelings, not quash them, but put them aside. We choose to say, God, my understanding of you is expanding. And therefore, the feelings of of worthlessness, the feelings of depression or anxiety, God, I don't get rid of them, but I choose to understand that you are bigger than them. And therefore, I worship you. Why? Because our minds have been renewed. We worship Because of God's mercy. See, that's how Paul started that chapter off. He said, in light of God's mercy, remembering who God is, remembering his his feelings towards you, remembering what he's done in light of God's mercy. And our worship is a response to who God is. Now, sacrifice won't get us closer to God But it is a response to his closeness, even if we don't feel it. God loves us. He will never leave us. He has reclaimed us. He's rebuilt us. He's renewing us. And therefore, we worship him. Worship and service are both interchangeable words. It's not singing and serving. It is, this is my worship. It's the same with our finance. Everything that's physical about ourselves, our time, our gifts, our resources, are our reasonable act of worship. We lay them on the altar before God. That's not reasonable. We are out of our minds. No, no. We're in our right mind. But the world system around us says that's not reasonable. We talk about service. Worship is, as I've said already, much bigger than our singing, but it is part of it. Worship is service. I want to ask you, how, how are we serving in this place? And if you're not, and you're part of this community, I want you to ask yourself, what's my reasonable act of service within this environment? Whether it's on a Sunday or midweek, What what can I reasonably do to contribute to what is happening here in this place? It's not just for a select few. It's for all of us. How can I give my gifts, talents, and resources as part of my worship? When I look at social media sometimes, and I've been off it for six months or so, clears your head, believe me, but it's fairly easy to see where people are in terms of their thinking, whether people have conformed to the world around them. And often, if you notice, we conform to the world so the world conforms to us. And what I mean by that is, you'll say something and someone will say, I'm with you, I know how you feel, that's terrible, tell them to get lost. Because you conform to a norm that the people around you expect, and then they're with you. Jesus didn't come to conform to you. He came to conform us to him. 
He didn't come to make us a nicer person. He came to reclaim us, to rebuild us and renew us, to completely change us. Not behavior modification, but life transformation. It doesn't say be transformed by the changing of your behavior. Right thinking in Jesus doesn't come from more education. Cognitive behavior therapy, which, can I say, I fully support, but it does come from a life of worship, a life of service. Putting Jesus in his right place by saying as the followers of Christ, not my will but yours be done. We submit our will, our thinking, our behavior, our dreams and aspirations to Jesus. And I know that's not popular. That's not today's thinking because it's about me. My body. My behavior. My money. My dreams. My aspirations. But we begin to say as we're followers of Jesus, my body is yours. My thinking is yours. My time, my talents, my resources, I submit to you. Too often we conform to the pattern of everyone around us. Resistance is futile. We may dress slightly, slightly different, but we begin to look like the world around us. Mike Glenn, this is a phrase I used, or a quote I used a couple of weeks ago. He's a respected U.S. pastor, says, The world isn't mad at the church because we're different. They're mad at us because we aren't different enough. When you've been touched by God, not only do you stop doing wrong, you start doing right. We love people like Jesus does, not because people live up to our expectations, our behavior standards, or our shared political ideologies. We love people because Jesus told us to. And as he tells us to, he didn't just say, love people. I know it's going to be hard. Get on with it. He said, the same love that I have for you, you have to give to other people. His love flows in us. And we understand his love. And then it flows through us. Not because people conform to what we think. Most of them won't. But because they are made in the image And they are image bearers of Jesus. Wherever stage of life they are. I've got so much more I want to say. But I've come to the end of my time. I do want to put a challenge. A very practical challenge to us as a church. You see when we come to our right mind. When we lay everything as a sacrifice. Before God. It will real orientate our life priorities. It will change how we see people. And the challenge, the question I want to ask is, what do you do when you come to church? What do you do? Do you... I do the same. Do you go immediately to your friends? To those people that are like you? Or do you look for people that may be looking a bit lost? Do you look for those that, and it's not just the single people, because sometimes people come in as a family. They don't know what the heck is going on. Do we look for them? Do we find them? Do we introduce? Do we connect with people? See, that's 
I know it's a tough thing, especially for, for introverts. I would much rather leave straight after the service, go to the toilet and hide in the toilet. Some people laughing nervously, thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do, and I do that. It's not about our personality. It's about our thinking. Because, you see, the people that are lonely know what it's like to be lonely or alone. You know what you felt like maybe when you came into a church or a building and you recognize the people that are like that. It's easy to see them there. And so what I can do is I recognize people like me. I can go and find them. Walking into a place and feeling strange. And that may be your experience this morning. I'd love to meet you after the service. I'm going to be outside, not running to the toilet. But I want us to be challenged as a church. Can we reorientate our thinking, not to be so insular in this place. This is just between me and God. Yeah, but God's brought someone in this place that he wants you to meet. For some people, it is going to be easier. But those of you, can I challenge those of you that are more extroverted? Don't give a high and a bye. See, introverted people have... An ability to go deeper quicker. A deeper relationship. Extroverted people, yeah, you get around the room, you read the room, you're there, you're all over the place, but you're there and you're gone. Take time. Spend a few moments. Find out why they're here. Find out what's going on in their lives. See, you might be the one person that radically impacts someone else's life. Or, or and, they might radically impact you as well. As you say hello. So it reorientates how we think of people, how we see people. And it will give us a, long, a longing for God's presence. Jesus' presence. If I could have the keyboard player back, that would be great. It will make sure that I finish quickly. <laughs> See, as we are renewed by our thinking, our lives are turned. And as we turn, we're being transformed. And it, we long to be in the presence of God, both as an individual and corporately as well. To be in this place more than once every four weeks. I'm going to have to end there. I'll come back to it next week. I want us to be a community that embraces broken people like me, like you. And as we embrace each other, as we do what seems unreasonable to the world around us, we're made whole. Like I talked about last week, about that rebuilding, the potter takes our life. And he takes what maybe 
The world looks at us messed up and he says, I can see something beautiful. The block of marble that Michelangelo chipped away at. He, the way he saw it was, he saw David inside. He just had to get rid of the bits. He had to get rid of what wasn't the sculpture to see something beautiful. As we embrace each other, we are placed in our right mind. We are renewed. We are transformed. Not to be a better you, but to be more like Jesus. We are being changed to be in our right mind, knowing that we're loved by our creator. Knowing that we're created to be in relationship with him. Knowing that we have a purpose. Knowing that we have a hope and a future. We're not there. The good thing is, it's not over. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, I pray for each of us in this room that whether we know you or don't, that we will be challenged, that we will be renewed. Pray for those that have gone away from you. That they will be drawn back to that place of being in their right mind. Those in the room and those that are joining online. I pray the renewal process will continue to eat with each and every one of us. Thank you, God, that you say it to us. It's not over. <laughs>